Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Thank you for listening this weekend. We pray that you're having a good weekend. We pray that you're ministering and helping someone this weekend as well. Uh, Don't make it all about you. And that's what this program's about, is making sure that you know how much God cares for you but he also cares for others. Today, we want to talk about a specific group, and I, I want to introduce this, uh, Nathan. Nathan is our co-host, Nathan Harper. And Nathan, when we think about some men in the Bible that had two names, Simon and Peter. Now, we say Simon Peter, but Simon was his name, but God gave him another name, Peter. Right. And then we think about the Apostle Paul before he was Paul a Greek name, he had the Hebrew name Saul. Yes. Well, there's a woman in the book of Acts chapter 9 that seems to have two names. And uh, she's not as well known as those two, but I am telling you, she seemed like a person that was full of good works. Yeah. We're talking about Dorcas. Dorcas. Or Tabitha. Or Tabitha. (laughs) And uh, it means gazelle or deer. and, And so... But she was some lady, and we don't know. I know this, that widow sure did think a lot of her if she wasn't a widow. Yeah. She must have, you know, had influence among among the widow ladies there in, uh, in Joppa. Well, where we're at is in Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 43, and, and Dorcas was a great worker, full of good works, and she dies. And uh, they're grieving her loss. And and she's the lady they're saying, I, I think they're saying, I don't know if we can get by with that, uh, Tabitha. I don't know if we can get by without her or not. Yeah, it says in verse 36, she was always doing good and helping the poor. Always doing good. That sounds like Peter when he talked about the church at Philippi. I always thank God for you when I think of you. Sounds like Dorcas had that kind of testimony. What a witness of the church. Always doing good and helping the poor. May, the, may her tribe increase. So today we're talking in our interview, we'll be talking to a lady who ministers to widows. She not only ministers to them, but she also equips them. And, and Dorcas is an example of this. And matter of fact, our guest, and you'll get uh, shared with who that is later, you'll find out that she found herself in the same situation of the ladies who she's helping how many times does that happen, Nathan, when yeah. you find yourself hurting and then God does a work in your life and you have a heart for those who are going through the same things that you went through? Yeah, so so often. You know, God calls people to be, you might call them wounded healers. You know, they God brings healing not just in their own life, but through their lives into others in the same area where they had been wounded and, and previously hurt. And... God, in, in many ways, all of us are, are to be that way, to see where God has brought redemption and restoration. And he, many times he'll give us some ministry in that area 
to others who are going through that. We find Dorcas someone who could sow, and and a lot of times the Bible's taken up with those that could preach and teach. Uh, we don't find too many singers in the Bible, but we do in the Old Testament quite a few. But in the New Testament, all we we hear of it in general that you are to make these you know psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. But they minister too. Good singing always teaches, right? Yeah, it's a teaching ministry. It is a teaching ministry. And everything should be something with that, even hands-on, like teaching someone to sew. Yes. And and matter of fact, in that day, there was apprentices. And if you didn't learn what your father did and it being passed on, you would go to someone else and be an apprentice for them and learn a trade that way as well. Yeah, and it was... Uh, in those days when women uh, were widowed and left without a uh, provider, some uh, a man with a, you know, their, their previous husbands with a skill to provide for the home or maybe an older son who could do that, but a true widow who had no source of income, um, then the church in those days would, would come along beside uh, these widow ladies and, you know, if they were capable, teach them to you know, and a new skill, teach them some way to provide for themselves, empower them to provide for themselves. And it seemed like Dorcas had that type of type of ministry here. She did, because you pointed out, let's read verse 39 there, Nathan, when it talks about this and what happened. Yeah, so Peter had come because uh, they had sent word to Peter to come over and, and see what was going on. So in Acts nine thirty nine, Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. This is where... Tabitha or Dorcas's body was laying. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. And that was the situation. They were mourning her, really. And we can't leave it off. What did Peter do? Did he say, bless your hearts? I hate it. (laughs) So verse 40, Peter sent them all out of the room, and then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. God is an amazing God that he restores relationships. He restores life, and he wants to do that in your life today. If you're widowed, I want you to listen to the next interview. I think you'll be blessed by it to see how God could take heartache in a lady's life and turn it into something of a magnificent ministry that touches life just the way Dorcas was touching the lives of those around her, Miriam Neff is touching the lives of those around her. Welcome to Exploring Missions. It's good to have you with us this weekend. And we pray that God's using you. And uh, we, we thank God that missions takes place, if you're on mission for God, wherever you are. And uh, we're able to talk to people all around the United States and even the world here on Exploring Missions and find out what God's doing. One of the areas that is unusual that I've, uh, I've talked about but really not looked at it in a missional way is ministering to widows. I think I always thought of that, well, that's what the church does. And it is what the church does. But when Paul talked about it and others talked about it, there were some requirements for the widows to do 
in order to receive the help in the local church. It was a real interesting thing. There's always accountability. And one of the things that's lacking is so much accountability. And today we're going to talk to Miriam Neff, who wrote the book, Not Alone. And we're good to have you today, Miriam. It's good to be with you, and I believe in what you're talking about. And by the way, American Family Radio has been kind to me and put my feature New Beginnings, which I started after I became a widow. So I appreciate you folks very, very much. I appreciate you. Well, I'm, I'm one of the ones that's been blessed by American Family Radio, and now I'm blessed to be on it. So the blessings flow both ways. Isn't that great? It's fabulous. But, you know, you talked about the, the widows. I mean, James one twenty seven. God says we show our religion, we show our worship by how we treat widows and orphans. And we do a lot of things for orphans, but, you know, I hadn't paid attention to the other part until I became a widow. And my husband, Bob Neff, was in, not just in National Broadcasters, he was the treasurer the year that he got ill. So he was was the head of Moody Broadcasting. Radio was in his blood. It was his calling. And I was his wife, and we had children and adopted children, and I got degrees, and I was a professional counselor in public high schools. And then before his time, in my eyes, he got Lou Gehrig's disease. And he went to heaven again, I thought, before his time. But you know, How long has that been? It's been almost 12 years now. 12 years now. And it was, in some ways, to me, it was at the height of him being used here. You know, Moody Satellite was something he started, and they had owned and operated, and he was on international boards. I traveled much of the world with him as his wife. I thought at this stage of my life, I'd still be running around the world with Bob Neff, and God had a different plan. And so to just be real personal about it, who would want to start a widow's ministry? You don't sign up for that for fun. But in the months after I became a widow, I wanted spiritual strength and help. I could find no ministry to widows in a church, in a book, anywhere. I could read about Jacqueline Kennedy and her courage, but she wasn't. She wasn't. She wasn't I, I mean, I'm a believer. I, I, I'm a believer. I, I want the Holy Spirit to make me more than I am. And I couldn't find that resource. And I went to Africa to a place that Bob and I, Bob had been, and they asked me to teach widows there. If you ask me to open the Bible and teach, I will teach to anybody and everybody. And I related to those women. I said, I don't understand your culture through an interpreter, of course. But you and I have buried, we buried our husbands, and their eyes changed looking at me. A relationship that they could see, that identity. That's true. So, uh, yes. And I opened the Word of God, and I'd been studying the widow of Zarephath, the widow of Pot of Oil, and I taught them those stories. And those things are true today. People take their children. People take their land. Some of their children go into slavery. These aren't, well, they're Old Testament stories. You were a preacher. You know they are Old Testament stories. They're current-day reality in some countries. So I was in Ouagadougou at that time, seven months to the night when Bob went to heaven, and it's like, God gave me a calling. Now, I didn't hear voices, and he didn't tap me on the shoulder. But It's he louder. Kinda, hey, Miriam, it's louder than that sometimes. Oh, I, I mean, mean, the tap yes. on the shoulder, it's like, what yes. are you going to do about yes, it? It is. Well, what do you do when God says that? 
you do something about it. Yes. And I have come to see in those 12 years that God was preparing me for this from my birth. Psalm 139, I don't have a fear chip. And that's a good thing. And other, Bob said when I would go running in Moscow after, you know, because I was a runner, he'd be like, well, don't worry about her. God's got her. You know, so I don't have a fear chip. That's good to have when you're running around now to Kosovo and Albania and all over Africa training widows in a skill. Grandma Hattie taught me how to sew on a treadle machine when I was eight. That's one of the skills. So a skill that you developed as an eight-year-old you're using now in the ministry to widows worldwide. Exactly. Now, when I'm at getting a graduate degree at Northwestern in Evanston, I'm not running around saying, I know how to sew on a treadle machine. I mean, that's not <laughs> cool, kind of, right? But when I became a widow and I came back and I started Widow Connection and your listeners, our li- people listening to us right now can look up Widow Connection, all one word, dot com. They can see what we do. They can see resources. They can see books. They can, if they need help uh, with their budget, they can download free a budget form and we talk them through how to start getting a handle on your money. We talk about all those things. Now we started small with a website. Now we have resources, support groups, DVDs here so that if, let's say you have a church and they don't have a staff member that has time to do a widow's ministry, have a friendly lady that can push play. Let us give you the resources, the studies, the journals, and then you you go through those, but then you sit and pray for each other. Yeah. That's one of the things we do here. By the way, people come to know the Lord through that because... Who's helping widows in their time of need? Not many. So a a neighbor will say to a new widow that's maybe young and has kids to raise and she's just beside herself, come sit with me, have a cup of tea. You know, we're going to provide someone to watch your kids. And sometimes it's at a church with 65 people. We we don't say when, where, and how many. We just provide the tools. Well, let me ask you this. I hear, let me see if I get this, and I, I love to interview and then repeat back what I've heard a little bit, and that way you can correct if I'm wrong. I see support that you're trying to give them, encouragement that you can continue on. I I hear the message of salvation that's through Jesus Christ, and and then I hear production. You want them to live a productive life. Did I pick up on all of that? Exactly. And one way that I think we may be different, well, for one thing, not many people are talking directly to the widows. And I know there are other good support organizations and groups and all of that. But sometimes they don't quite tap what we what our loss is about. We don't fit into the divorce group. We don't fit in kind of to the singles group. We're... And our age is our average age is fifty six, so it's not all about vintage needs. So, but I look at it from the biblical view. God has a hundred and three verses where He tells us how much He loves us, and I can assure you that every widow that's ever contacted me, one of the first things they feel is they feel alone. They don't know what to do. They don't know how they can get through it. I was a believer when Bob went to heaven. And I quote Romans eight twenty eight, and I knew Psalm one thirty nine. I have to learn all of that at a new, intense level. But let me go back to your word productivity. 
my vision for the widows we serve in developing countries is not that we go in and say, we'll teach you to sew, now make this, and we'll bring it back and sell it. We'll develop you to a skill level. They could make that shirt. They could make the collar. They can make trousers. They can make school uniforms. But now when you graduate and we give you a machine, which I'll be doing in Kenya shortly, you do whatever you is your specialty, what you want to do. Some make um, there, typically if someone dies, you need to all wear the same collar in the procession. So a family will come and say, we need all purple shirts for these men, and they may bring the fabric or send you. Then that widow now is no longer in poverty. She can go get her kids back out of the orphanage or whatever, or the relative that's taking care of them. She can sew, she can make money, or she can barter. Some of our widows barter. They sew, I'll mend this, I'll make that, I want a chicken. That's fine. Widow Connection doesn't say, here, here's all the points. We do have a business model, but that's empowerment. Right, that's them. Is. And we say, why are we doing this? Because God loves you. Yeah. Well, that's what Jesus did, I mean, again and again. And I think of that scripture about he took me out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And widowhood, the one I pastoring for 38 years mm-hmm. and trying to help and not identifying but helping those that were struggling, they felt like they were in a, a rut, at least a pit, and, you know, with no openings except up. And some widows, they would find help with others, but some would just stay in that pit for a lengthy period of time. And uh, we, we tried to start, you know, a grieving class, how to grieve and what God, he wants to bring you through it. He doesn't want you to stay in it. So there is always a, there's always that time of grief, isn't there, Miriam? And, oh, oh, but yes. God doesn't want you to stay there. Exactly. And you probably saw some widows that stayed bitter for a long yes, time. Yes, I did. That is unnecessary, and it's unbiblical. And I'm, if I, I haven't been a preacher, but can I preach right Go now? Right ahead. <laughs> to, to, to that person who's gone through a tragedy or a struggle, that does not define you. God says, you are my servant. You are my woman. You are my widow. You're my, you're my man. I created you. I have a plan for you, and what I'm doing now I would have never imagined. And I also am glad you brought up the grief thing because some people think, well, I can't do something or step out for God because I'm grieving. If I, on the seven-month night, could know I've got to go home and I've got to do something, and my counseling degrees and whatever God you want to use, we're going to do it, start a small, cheap website, you do something. Now, here I have a theory about this, and some of it's fairly well-based because of my psychology degrees, that when you are serving in your grief, you actually heal in a more wholesome manner because you're out, and instead of looking at your loss, I look at these poor widows, and I think, God, I'm never hungry unless I decide to be or a... (laughs) They don't have a choice a lot of times. I'm so blessed I know. You know, when I heard you say that, I could not help but think of Job. Now, he wasn't a widower, but when he got his eyes off of himself and started serving and helping others, the 
he was restored and even God restored even children in wealth to him and and so it is a ministry of restoration first deliverance deliverance from the grief that you're in it doesn't mean that God takes you immediately you do go through that you do go through those different stages with mm-hmm. psychology you know that and they're real but getting stuck is 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 detrimental to everyone it's detrimental to the person and the detrimental to those around them oh everybody and to the family the friends and i get it you know 75 percent of my friendship dis- network disappeared that happens happens with divorce but you know one of the things i came to love about what god says in the bible about widows and i came to love these widows in the bible when i'm in heaven i'm going to get in line to talk to them <laughs> people may be in line to talk to other people i'm going to be looking for tamar Bathsheba, uh, Abigail, yes, Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's well known. The the widow and her two mites, well known. The the widow who had the courage to keep confronting the unjust judge, well known. But some of the widows I talk about and not alone aren't so well known. And that's how we are. And that's in your book? It, It is. Some of the widows in the book are unnamed, and some you you know their names. The widow of Zarephath, I give her a name in the book, okay? I, I kind of, I, I fictionalize it Everybody in Everybody deserves a name, yeah. that's right. Well, and God knows her name. He, he does. But for the widow who thinks God doesn't, God doesn't know me, yes, even if you don't feel unnamed, you are to God. And also the widows in the Bible are pagan, like Ruth and Orpha, or they're God followers like Naomi. Uh, the widow of Zarephath was pagan. The person that reached to her was a God follower. I mean, isn't that a beautiful picture? Yeah. I mean, you name anything. They were poor. They were wealthy. Abigail lived with wealth. The widow and her two mites, I make up a story about her husband and how fabulous he was and how he died. Now, that's not in Scripture, okay? Right. But she is in Scripture, and Scripture's in there. Sometimes and the, a good imagination is helpful. <laughs> well, Mary, And really sometimes is. we learn from a story. You know, someone can say, well, I want to advise you to be courageous. Okay, let me take you to someone courageous. Look at Ruth. Ruth was willing to give up her favorite food, her family, the, the geography she knew, following a woman who sometimes was probably a little grouchy, called herself bitter. She was such a woman of God, Ruth said, whatever she's got, I want it. So let's not pick on Naomi. Okay, that's a little personal now. Yeah. But I mean, she lived a life. I think you're right on, though. That Ruth yes. wanted to be like her. Your God will be my God. I, I call it a conversion. I mean, oh, you it know, is. there's no doubt in my mind. And so when she came back, and the neatest part of it is it talks about Naomi and Obed and her raising that child on her in knee I Jesus mean, lineage wasn't that a great let me ask you this when you're ministering and I, I want to talk to the ministering to widows no matter in what circumstances is there a commonality even if they're in Africa or if in the United States poor wealthy they've there's a loss isn't there and oh, that absolutely. loss is difficult well, and part of why the women in Africa, when I go and talk to them about God loving them, part of why they, they'll they listen to me is when I say I buried my husband, they know that they I understand a little bit about their kind of grief. And when I say it changes everything in your life, 
my children were grown and young widows here, their children aren't taken from them. That happens there. I interviewed some street ladies in Ghana at one point. They were young. And I said, when did your descent start into living on the streets and doing what you do? And half of them, it started when their dad died and their mom couldn't take care of all the kids. And the mom would maybe keep the boys because they could work hard and make money. And they'd say to a relative or a friend, can you feed my girl? So the girl goes to somebody else. And before long, it's like, this is costing us. We're not whatever. And the descent happens. I don't want to describe it. But so, but after I interviewed those, I went back and I said, God, I want to do what I do better. Because if I do better and more of what I do, there will be less people for you to save out of street trafficking because we will have helped prevent them from getting there. That mom can make school uniforms and sell them to the you know the people that need to wear those uniforms to school that mom can make whatever she wants to make mend or barter so my calling is i see it a little broader than when i did it first and i, I probably don't see it like god sees it now well, right but, now it's an equipping ministry yes You're equipping, and the bible talks about that in ephesians about pastors they're there to equip the saints so you're equipping those ladies, and you're equipping them spiritually. You're you're equipping them physically. You're helping mm-hmm. them emotionally, and at at the most, I guess the pit in the pit of their lives. Well, it's a time where they can move forward in a fabulous way, and all of the wi- widows in Scripture that I talk about moved on into a different kind of life, not the one they picked, but Bathsheba was in the lineage of Jesus. So she's an amazing woman. We label her. She's been labeled an adulterer. Tamar's been labeled a prostitute. No. No, they were not. And how could Judah look at her when he was about to have Tamar burned at the stake and say, you're more noble than I? Uh, These are amazing women. And these stories are in your book. Oh, yes. Not alone. Uh, Now, there are two other books on the website, From One Widow to Another, Conversations About the New You. That's step-by-step going through the process, the grieving and all of that, and financial accountability. And then there's one, Bold Living After Unwanted Change, because people were looking at me saying, you're really bold, and I'm not seeing that. And then, of course, my publisher said, I think there's a book that needs to be about. <laughs> and, and people say, well, I can't go to Africa. You can fast and pray like Anna. There is a big task for every widow. So you step up to the plate. God's got you. And only God measures the significance. Well, that's true. You know, <laughs> I, I really believe there's so many of us who's had the, the reality of being able to be on the radio, of traveling. We're going to be stepping line behind those that were seeking God, prayer warriors mm-hmm. that are just seeking God and and bombarding heaven on mm-hmm. our behalf as mm-hmm. we go. Mm-hmm. Miriam, the the website that we're talking about, Widow Connection, all one word, widowconnection.com. And they can go there and they can find the books that are listed and other studies and other helps to help them in the ministry of ministering to widows and ministering to themselves. Yes. And another thing there is how to start a widow's group in your church and some advice to churches. So you click on what you need and maybe someone's listening that's not a widow but has a heart to maybe help them. 
look at how we suggest you get started. Let us, We've learned a lot in these 12 years, so let us help you. Let us just come alongside you. God does take all things, and he does work them for good, doesn't he? Oh, that is so true. Mary, so thank true. you for being with us today. My blessing, my honor.